Greg and Dan Show, WMBD. Let's call it 740. It's Tuesday. That means it's time to talk to Dr. Doug Casper, University of Illinois College of Medicine here in Peoria. His specialty is infectious diseases. Good morning, doctor. How are you doing? Hi, good morning. Uh, let's go to a story that I saw yesterday about the influences of our lifestyle on long COVID or the risk of long COVID. Can you speak to that? Yeah, it's, um, it's in, you know, we don't study many uh, viral infections nearly in depth as we do with COVID. Influenza is probably the only thing that's even reasonably close to how we've pursued COVID. But we, we've entered a phase now where the acute illnesses, the infections, the hospitalizations from COVID have really declined and remained very stable low. And so now what we're seeing is an emergence of information about either long-term effects of COVID or associations that would put people at higher risk of having some sort of, you know, future adverse outcome. And one of the ones that continues to pop up, and this shows up almost all the time, is the association with uh, exercise and underlying fitness as being a positive predictor of being able to become ill and doing well. And that sounds very basic. Uh, we rec- basically recommend exercise for almost every medical condition in some some way. But there's recommending it, and then there's having people adapt it to, you know, as part of a busy lifestyle. That's one of the key features that's come out with COVID is people who were generally more fit did substantially better when they got sick than people that did, were not very active. Got it. Got it. So, like with everything, uh, uh, take care of yourself helps you in the long run. Correct. And, you know, part of that is is that, um, you know, preventative medicine is really based off of a strategy of cost effectiveness, and then it can be applied to everybody. You know, we can come up with all sorts of, you know, recommending specific diets or interventions that certain people just can't access, whether it's cost or the area they live in doesn't have those types of services. But exercise is one of the things that is widely available, meaning that Outside of very bad weather, uh, people have access to be able to do some type of daily. And when we talk about exercise, I'm not meaning like run a marathon or sure. press 300 pounds. We're talking about duration. And so really recommending that people get out and just move is a very, very strong correlate with all sorts of positive health outcomes. And not only that, <clears throat> being outdoors and breathing in fresh air, sunshine, direct vitamin D is good. And Diet, you know, Dan Butner, we interviewed him years ago from National Geographic. Uh, he would bike all over the world and came across certain populations uh, that would live 10 to 20 years longer and people in their 90s still swinging axes and doing stuff. Most of these were more peasant people uh, who just kept active, like you said, throughout their life. And he looked at their diet, and a lot of it wasn't expensive superfoods, but a lot of it was peasant food, roots, uh, greens out of the ground, beans, lean chicken, and, and things that they grew. So when it comes to a diet, you don't have to spend a lot of money. A lot of it is just basic roots, green vegetables, fruits, lean meats, and, uh, you know, along with being active. Hey, doctor, I want to ask you about this. There is a, uh, uh, it's, it's small, uh, but I do want to address it. Uh, there is an occasional uh, person of note uh, who passes away, and they'll not list the cause of death. And this allows for conspiracy people 
people who are uh, lean towards that, to uh, uh, grab onto that lack of information and fill in their own blank. And there is this little movement out there that says these unexplained deaths or these deaths that were not privy to the cause of death of a celebrity, uh, uh, for example, is uh, because of the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. How do we how do we talk about that intelligently and say what the vaccine can or cannot do to the human body? Yeah, it's it's um, tricky because with the millions upon millions and hundreds of millions of shots that have been given, uh, mRNA shots that have been given around the world, the positive outcomes are lumped into big groups, meaning we, we talk about the benefit of the vaccine, we talk about it at a population level. We say this many million people were saved, but that doesn't have a face. You know, that's not an individual, there's no name to it. And so when there's an individual story that's quite a tragic story, that has a face, it has a name, it can be discussed. And so it's, it's you know, the, um, it's an individual story that one person gets to tell versus reading, you know, medical journals that correlate hundreds of millions of outcomes. And so they're just very challenging to give the same amount of emotion to. Uh, we have, in the United States, we have a broad vaccine uh, monitoring system uh, that is consistently run through our federal agencies. We have uh, evidence that when there's a, a signal, when there was a, some concern about stroke risk in the elderly, the vaccine it was made public. It was The information was shared, and then it was followed up. But that is kind of boring. It's not yeah. it's not literature that most people read, and so because of that, it's kind of lost. But this, these are long-standing systems. Almost multiple academic universities across the country participate in this. There, this is not a conspiracy to withhold information. All of this is freely available uh, through a CDC website. So the system is there, and these vaccines have done exactly what they were supposed to, which has protected hundreds of millions from becoming ill. Got it. There was, I was reading a story, um, they don't know if it'll be widespread, but it is something that does spread. It's a fungal illness that they found in California and Arizona in the uh, soil, and uh, this is a fungus. Most causes of uh, pneumonia are bacterial. This is a fungus that lives in the soil, and it is spreading. They call it valley fever. Um, and it shares some of the same symptoms of COVID. Um, no alarm yet, but it is spreading in that part of uh, the world or that part of the United States. My question is, as various things like this valley fever and others uh, start to uh, circulate and regenerate, is the fact that, I hate to say this because a lot of people have died, but COVID uh, did us a favor in the sense that exposed us, our immune systems, to uh, a new virus out there that will allow our immune systems to possibly recognize and respond to other similar viruses. Yeah, um, our immune, human immune systems are a wonderful thing. Um, what I would say with COVID is, is that uh, the, the overall debt of COVID as far as human illness was a reflection of the health of our society at that time. And that's a complex situation because that includes access to care, that includes 
of how people had been recommended to stay up to date on preventative cares. And there were a lot of areas where COVID showed us that we could have helped a lot more people had we had better baseline system in place. There are many infectious diseases. Uh, Valley fevers is something that's been around for a very long time. It's not an emerging infection. Okay. There's some question that as environments change, is it changing its, you know, its where it's distributed? But these things, you'll hear more about sensational infections moving forward because it's now a public interest story. But for the most part, these things are um, these things are very well monitored, known about, and treated. We just hope that the system, the medical system, is much better in place to, to help uh, diagnose people and have them have it, access to it when they need it. And finally, Dr. Casper, as we transition away from COVID being an emergency, a public health emergency, into this new phase, what what can we expect? Yeah, there'll be some changes coming. You know, as we de- as the government allows the public health emergency to uh, conclude in May, the most uh, you know most prevalent thing is going to be there's going to be changes in cost. You know, we've been used to COVID being something that was covered by the federal government, whether it was testing or vaccination or, or treatment, and there's going to be changes on how we deal with this, meaning that. There may be um, cost to some of these things going forward. People might not uh, be able to obtain testing from uh, areas that they received it before, whether it's outpatient uh, locations or other. And so we'll keep an eye on that. But we've entered this phase now where COVID should have some seasonal prediction, meaning that we know when we're going to get vaccinated. We know when we might see more cases of illness. And hopefully that allows us to respond better uh, for everybody. Beautiful. Always good to talk to you. Have a great rest of your week. Dr. Doug Casper, University of Illinois College of Medicine here in Peoria.